Mortal Kombat is not about death, but rather the preservation of life. Liu Kang and a few chosen fighters from the Earth Realm defeated Outworld Sorcerer Chang Tsung. According to the rules of Mortal Kombat, their victory preserved the safety of the Earth for one more generation. Only to enjoy a brief period of peace. For someone from Outworld has a different point of view. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast, Mortal Kombat Retrospective Series. It has begun! Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. You win the tournament, you win the respect. They'll tell the entire world you're the real goods. Hosted by Arnie. I am the chosen one. Justin. Let Mortal Kombat begin. And Stuart. One of you three will decide the outcome of the tournament. The fate of billions will depend upon you. A handful of people on a leaky boat are going to save the world. Exactly. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers, harsh language, and fatalities. The stance. Listener discretion is advised. Let Mortal Kombat begin. Today we're discussing Mortal Kombat. I had to say it soothingly because nobody ever does. <laughs> no. It's a hard K. I don't know how you're going to do that. Starring Lyndon Ashby, Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, Robin Shao, Bridget Wilson, Talia Soto, and Christopher Lambert. Directed by Paul Anderson. That's all it says in the movie. I guess I should clarify, Paul. W.S. Anderson. Not the Boogie Nights guy. <laughs> Although, how much better would this movie be if it was? It's a question we may never have an answer to. Mm. Hello, baby. Did you miss me? It's Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. Breaking out the glow sticks, it's Stuart. And this is Justin. Finish me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll finish you off, Justin. Don't worry. Fatality before the night is through. <laughs> Mortal Kombat! I was surprised. I didn't think I liked fighting games, but Arnie, when you and I sat down about a month ago and I was like, is there any reason for me to play this? Is it any different than Street Fighter? Mm, kind of, but they are equally addictive. I was surprised at how much fun we played, I think, every single character in the first couple iterations of this game. We played also the more modern iteration, but we did play Mortal Kombat 1 and Mortal Kombat 2, which after Street Fighter hit the arcades and was such a huge success... Around the same time, but considered to be a little bit of a ripoff, Midway Games came out with Mortal Kombat, and they actually had a really interesting take on this. They were going to use digitized humans. We talked about this a little bit with Prince of Persia, but this was going to be filmed, translated into what they call sprites or still images that then move in rapid succession. And you know who they went to to be their star? Jean-Claude Van Damme! Ah, oh, of course. <laughs> he was supposed to be Johnny Cage. And when he said no, he, they also tried to get him for this movie, and he's like, hey, I'm going to go film Street Fighter instead. Bad choice, Jean-Claude. But then they ended up making Johnny Cage a little bit of a parody of a Hollywood action star. But they did get a whole bunch of actors and martial artists together filmed them doing the moves. In the case of the four-armed Goro, they actually did stop motion. They got a puppet, they built him, and did that. And man, Street Fighter 
was known for its fun. Mortal Kombat was known for its gore. Right. That's what I really thought about was that when you get to pull your moves, it's not just lightning powers and leg trickery, particularly in the later game. We see x-rays of bone snapping and blood spurting from every possible place. I mean, of course it's for kids, but it's the kind of games that kids know adults don't want them to be, be playing. Oh, yeah. This game is popular or became popular directly for those two reasons. One, it looked more real than anything that's been on video game screens before and it actually had spurting blood so yeah start pumping quarters in because i'm all in on that i was a street fighter guy because that's what i played first street fighter 2 i heard about this one and i was always bummed because the super nintendo version was exceptionally censored and the genesis version was slightly censored and i'm like no i want the gore i want the blood but i only played this once when it was new (laughs) This was a horrible story I'll share. My sister knew I played a lot of video games. I was maybe 19, and she had a son who was 7 or 8, and he could not be beaten in Mortal Kombat. And he apparently was being a real asshole about it, and being just arrogant and a jerk. And my sister calls me and says, we need to take him down a peg. Can you come play Mortal Kombat with him? (laughs) I'm like, well, I've never played Mortal Kombat in my life, but... I know Street Fighter, so let's give this a shot. And knowing what I'm there for, I really amp it up. And I try some of the moves on the Genesis controller, and it's the same as the Street Fighter moves. Roll the D-pad, hit the button, and I'm kicking this kid's ass. Now, I shouldn't be so proud about kicking a seven-year-old's ass in a game, (laughs) but this is what I was brought in to do. But again, to take him down a peg, I start going a little Ace Ventura. Because I go, anytime there's a game, there's a winner and a loser. (laughs) Yeah, the kid ended up bawling. I felt like shit. (laughs) (laughs) But he kicked his ass. That's what counts. (laughs) Fatality more like pathetic. (laughs) I'm just glad that story didn't have a much darker ending. I thought we were going to flash forward to nowadays and he's on the streets. Well. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing about this game is, yes, it had fatalities, the special moves. I've never been able to pull off a fatality. Every time I try, I usually end up just doing some kind of kick and letting the person fall over. But fatalities and special moves, you talked about spurting blood, yeah. But I'm talking about ripping out spinal columns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just <laughs> proudly showing off inner things exteriorly. It's really fun. The game wouldn't exist solely because of that. You had to be able to have some fun playing the game as well. But yeah, I found that it was a joy to do that. And the thing that distinguishes it, in my mind, from Street Fighter. I'm actually more of a Mortal Kombat fan than a Street Fighter fan as far as everything around it. I just like the characters better. I mean, I just find Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade and Kano to just be cooler than Guile. I like Chun-Li, so Chun-Li's awesome, but... Actually, I'm not sure I could tell the difference. Even now, having seen the movie today, I'm not sure who's who from which world. (laughs) But also, this movie came out as part of a global takeover for Mortal Kombat. They had such huge success, because keep in mind, this first game, we're going in order of game release, was in 1992, which is, again, around the time that Street Fighter II was on the Super Nintendo. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, this movie came out in 1995, so that's a very fast turnaround from game to movie. But 
the same time this movie was released in August, it was supposed to be released in spring. It got pushed back. They did some additional shooting. We'll talk about that more as we go on. There was a digital TV special that came out at the end of August to promote the movie. There was a martial arts touring show that began at Radio City Music Hall, kind of following that Mutant Ninja Turtle vibe. Coming out of their shell. I figured there had to be. There's something about it. Boys don't go to ice capades, but some macho version of that, closer maybe to WWF, is what I'm imagining. Yeah, they (laughs) got martial artists doing real martial arts moves, no wires or anything, and dressed up as the characters. I can respect that more than I can respect Mutant Ninja Turtle singing. And then they had a CD-ROM come out, and Mortal Kombat 3 came out all in August. It was a calculated attack. One wonders if the movie even had to do well, or whether it was just part of the marketing blitz for the game. But let's not make a mistake this movie did very well it had a really low budget oh yes 18 million it stayed at top of the box office for three weeks number one in an august setting opened at 23 million ended over 122 million global that is a huge success for new line wow yeah and a huge success for a director we've already seen cover movies based on video games yeah paul anderson this was his first film I mean, he'd done one other in Britain. It's his first American film. It'd be curious to see what he would do with uh, no budget. But yeah, I think of him so much as being an action geek director that I can't imagine what his low budget arty film is. But yeah, he made something and then he made this and it put him on the path to doing everything else we've talked about. But the real driving force behind this is the producer, Lawrence Kasanoff. He'd done some films chud Two, bud the chud uh the first dream a little dream mm. do you remember jamie lee curtis in blue steel oh that one i remember Catherine bigelow ghoulies go to college i know you're all about that <laughs> and the year before mortal kombat he was executive producer on true lies wow what a weird resume <laughs> how do you make ghoulies go to college at the same time you're working with james cameron <laughs> And do you keep that like a secret part of your life? Like James is like, where are you going? I can't tell him. I'm going to college, damn it. <laughs> Not telling you. <laughs> the ghoulies will be there when I get there. I'm reading a treatment for Dreamer Little Dream 2 right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> he was not involved in that one. I think that was all the quarries. But he was the one who decided that there should be a Mortal Kombat movie. It was a hard sell for everybody. Three little words as to why, Super Mario and Brothers. Yes, I was about to say, I think this is the first video game movie that was considered a box office popular success. I didn't see this movie. I cared nothing about the game or the movie, but I certainly knew the people that loved the game loved this movie, and it seemed to change the attitude towards bringing video games into cinema. I think it's because Mortal Kombat, the game had a story that was more pronounced than Street Fighters, slightly more pronounced. Could you pronounce it for me? Because I don't even remember what was the story. It's Enter the Dragon on an interdimensional plane. When you play Mortal Kombat the first one, you're playing to defend Earthrealm from Outworld. Oh, the plot of this movie is from the game. Yeah. Crazy enough, right? Didn't know that when I was playing it. 
there were good guys and bad guys. Now, it worked just like Street Fighter. There were eight players, nine if you unlocked Reptile, who was a secret character. But as one of the players, you had to fight the other seven before working your way up to the bosses who you couldn't play. Goro and Shang Tsung, you could in later games. Nobody played Chan, I imagine. Liu Kang's brother. Yeah, his little pipsqueak. No, that was not a character. Yeah, that's the movie. But the first one was you're trying to defend Earth, and Goro has been undefeated for 500 years. And yeah, Sonya Blade is there to avenge her partner. That's in the end text if you win. And hmm. Liu Kang is defending the Earth's realm. And if you play as Scorpion and Sub-Zero, you find out that they are ninjas with blood vengeances against each other. And... Kano is a criminal who, and Raiden, lightning god. If he wins, it actually has a pretty dark ending. So it's very easy to adapt this and just say, okay, let's take the stuff that's already been written. They wrote extensive meta material around this and then say, let's take the movie Enter the Dragon and just use it like this. Let's take three people on a boat going somewhere, having to fight in martial arts, but instead of fighting against a drug operation, they're going to fight against interdimensional beings. Yeah, it was a palm to the face for Street Fighter contrived some kind of bizarre Iraq war parable. Like, this is what you do. That's absolutely what you do. A tournament, all these badasses are going to be there. Who will win? Secret Island. That's the plot. Do it. It's an easy path to follow. You have a tournament style set up. Let's see if we can set up a tournament and make us excited to watch these things. But in the meantime, we're going to get a lot of just side fights even before we get into the general setup of the tournament structure. Yeah, we'll get into that. I remember going to see this movie opening weekend. I was jazzed. Again, I wasn't into the game very much, hmm. but this movie really just looked good in the trailers. A friend of mine and I went. We were there opening day. I was in college and not having school. He took a day off work to go, meaning he called in sick and actually got fired. <laughs> and we both went, and I plunged deep into Mortal Kombat culture. The soundtrack, which we're going to talk about. I knew we will. <laughs> I mean... That soundtrack went platinum in 10 days. I was one of the people who bought it. That was on an endless loop in my car, including I then got Mortal Kombat, More Kombat, which was even more songs from this. I even picked up the soundtrack to the game, which was interesting. It was not game music so much as a band called The Immortals just took sound clips from them, as well as weird things like the song about Sub-Zero has lyrics like, Ooh, Chinese warrior with your heart so cold. Sub-Zero, your life is a mystery. Warrior with a mask. Yeah, yeah, freezing vibrations, here we go. <laughs> that would be a fun job. I gotta say, <laughs> sitting around and trying to write a theme song for each one of these characters might be more fun than sitting around and watching this movie. But uh, in order to talk about that, Arning, why don't you get into the plot? Once every generation, the Mortal Kombat tournament takes place. The greatest warriors from Earth are gathered by the Elder Gods to fight against the greatest warriors from the realm of Outworld. If one realm wins ten tournaments in a row, it will forever hold dominion over the other realm. Oh, this is so my kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you're saying, it's like a religion, man. <laughs> and as of this movie, Outworld has won nine in a row thanks to its four-armed champion fighter, 
Goro. One more, and Outworld Emperor Shao Kahn will be free to conquer Earth. He has sent his sorcerer Shang Tsung to oversee the tournament and ensure him victory. But the lightning god Raiden, played by Christopher Lambert, is rooting for the humans and fighting on behalf of Earth are Liu Kang, played by Robin Shao, a fallen Shaolin monk who is fighting not to save Earth. He doesn't believe in that mumbo jumbo, but he wants revenge on Shao Kahn for the death of Kang's brother. See, that brings you right back in, right, Stuart? He mm-hmm. doesn't like the mythology? Yeah, it's a family drama. Simple. Like an indie film, really. <laughs> then there's action star Johnny Cage, played by Lyndon Ashby, who's come to the tournament to prove he is truly a great fighter and not reliant on Hollywood special effects and stunt doubles. <laughs> In this film. Lyndon Ashby did not have a stunt double. Third is Sonya Blade, played by Bridget Wilson, who did have a stunt double. She's a special forces officer who's tricked into coming to the tournament in order to apprehend Kano, a crime lord who killed Blade's partner. And then there's Art Lean, a guy who's here just to be killed. He's not even that good a fighter. Billy Blanks could take his ass down. In one-on-one tournaments, the heroes fight and take down enemies such as Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and Kano, and Liu Kang gets assistance from an unexpected source, Outworld Princess Kitana. But when Goro kills Art, it seems like all hope is lost. Is that a metaphor? Is The death of Art. Is Art being killed here? Yeah, I'm feeling it. (laughs) Until Cage makes a bargain with Shang Tsung. Cage will be the next to fight Goro, but then Shang Tsung can choose the next fight against whomever he wants, wherever he wants. Pokemon rules. (laughs) Goro, I choose you! (laughs) We're getting there, you know. (laughs) It is a video game. I'll be surprised to learn. Cage tricks Goro into falling off a ledge, so Shang Tsung takes Sonya Blade to Outworld for the final battle, which Shang Tsung is sure to win. (laughs) And for some reason, he dresses her up in a brown leather Flintstones garment. (laughs) But Liu Kang arrives and challenges Shang Tsung, besting the evil sorcerer and giving Earth its first Mortal Kombat victory in nearly 300 years. Victorious, the trio return to Liu Kang's monastery where they reunite with Raiden, but Emperor Shao Kahn isn't happy and arrives as a 50-foot-tall monster ready to attack Earth. But our heroes are prepared to fight back with karate? As credits roll. So, this movie, I told you, $18 million budget. Apparently, the producer and Paul Anderson have very little nice to say about Bob Shea, head of New Line Cinemas at this point. What they said was, if Bob Shea thinks a production is going too smoothly, he throws what they call the Bob Shea curveball. So, days before shooting, he's like, yeah, we're going to remove $2 million from your budget. Now go. So they ended up having to shoot a movie that was underfunded. They cut a bunch of fights out of it. And then they did test screenings and test audiences were all like, yeah, we want more fights. What's going on with this? That's why the movie got pushed. I mentioned it got pushed. Bob Shea gave them their money back. They got everybody back together and filmed a couple of additional fights. Well, I did notice this is on location. This is Thailand. Yeah. While a lot of this was soundstage green screen work, they were not afraid of going on location for that. It really adds something to see this. I found it amusing the way that Liu Kang finds out about his brother, gets a telegram. Brother dead. Return home. (laughs) Nice way to couch that or something, you know? You pay by the word. Grandpa's clearly cheap. (laughs) 
Shaolin monks do not have the money coming out of their ears. I'm sure it took a lot of scrounging from the other monks just to get enough to type those words out. Plus, he had a helpful dream. I'm not sure if this is reality or just what he imagined might have happened, but we see that his brother clearly, in trying to be like our cool Liu Kang hero, our Bruce Lee, if you will, he took on a demon that he clearly was outmatched, and Shang Tsung beat him up pretty bad, broke his arm, breaks his back, and taunts that he will eat his soul. Yeah, and then kills him right in front of his brother, or like you said, was that a dream? Did that really happen? It's confusing right off the bat, because Liu Kang wakes up in his bedroom. Right. They talk about how he left the order and he went to America, which is why he speaks so well. And he had to come back for this. I take it as, I mean, we're going to find out so many people are telling him, you're the chosen one, Liu Kang. You're the one who must defend Earth. I take it as the chosen one has psychic powers, especially in regards to Shang Tsung, who's going to be his ultimate enemy here. So Shang Tsung told him in a dream, I killed your brother, and then this telegram just kind of confirmed it. Why is Robin Shao the chosen one? Because we've seen him before. He was the mentor for Chun-Li in that wonderful Street Fighter sequel. You guys promised me he was better here, and I don't believe that to be the case. I think he's actually good here. I think he has charisma. He's able to carry the part of the lead. He's not, you know, top build. That would really go to Christopher Lambert, but... Robin Shao, I like his character here, and he's able to do the moves. He's Yes, he can fight. I get that. That's why you would hire him for the stunt coordinating, but this guy can't act. And uh, you bring up Enter the Dragon. That's a movie it might surprise listeners to know I like. And that movie is good 99% because of Bruce Lee. Because there is a real star who is able to take some fortune cookie mumbo jumbo and really with conviction sell every idea he walks the walk he feels authentic and you buy every ridiculous turn in that movie because he is just a great movie star robin shaw is not a great movie star but he's perfect for carrying a b movie yeah lucky for us the movie makers know that he isn't that and it's not necessarily his movie i mean we get such a cadre of side characters to put around him that the times he is on screen he's working for me i'm not annoyed by his acting i don't think he's going over the top too much and he has the moves so i mean there's gonna be other actors in this movie that bother me way more than Liu kang like christopher lambert in a bad wig and rice oh, patty hat yes horrible wow. and a lisp and a gruff voice Raiden needed to lightening himself out of this movie early. Yeah, I mean, he's always been bad. I saw Subway, the first Luke Besson movie that made him a star. I've seen Highlander. I've seen him again and again. And he was even in that Godfather spinoff I talked about, The Sicilian. He is always terrible. I do not know how this guy continues to work. He may look like a leading man. He's got no 
None. Zero screen chemistry. And why would you cast him with this wig, this outfit? Like, when I see that video game character, and then I think about what Christopher Lambert did, I guess in Highlander, there was lightning. Maybe that's the only connection (laughs) between his star power and this movie is, whenever he took his sword and killed somebody, he always got a lightning zap in Highlander, and now he gets to dispense the lightning. It's kind of odd. First of all, in the game... Raiden was Asian, hence, you know, the rice paddy hat Mm, and the robes. Mm -hmm. And instead of going for an Asian, they decided the perfect casting was Sean Connery. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine Sean Connery in that role? Oh, wait, they literally were going for for him? Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow. No, I, I can't imagine anyone... I mean, Sean Connery was in Highlander, so maybe someone had his phone number, but I'm sure that he had them promptly lose it because no. His reasoning for turning it down was he wanted to play golf and he didn't want to take a physical role. Yeah. And Christopher Lambert should have golfed with him. So yeah, they got a different Highlander. They got Christopher Lambert. (laughs) And say what I will, my God, next week we don't even have Christopher Lambert. I will be begging for a Christopher Lambert level performance here. I actually, again, like what Lambert brings to the role here, which is a, a bit of humor that wasn't in the script. The way he's kind of laughing with the humans and he's like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what's not working for me. <laughs> yeah, because you have Liu Kang saying, you know, this is not the god of lightning. He looks like a beggar. I- I'm agreeing. They needed to get someone that has the if we're supposed to believe this is the most powerful character, I guess he is the biggest star. Sadly enough, when you look at the rest of the cast with Star Wattage, this is the guy that yields the most lightning. So shit, I guess. Yeah. All right. On that topic, let's level set here. Don't compare this to the top movies of 95. Don't compare this to Heat, 12 Monkeys, Die Hard, and Seven. This is a B movie. This is a grindhouse flick. Imagine this showing up on WGN on a Saturday night at 11 o'clock. That's the level of movie that this is intended to be and that I will judge it as. Yeah, these people would not hold up if they were put into a big budget film like The Foreigner with Jackie Chan, none of them could hold their own. Who's talking about that? Enter the Dragon is a B-movie. And everyone in that, John Saxon, Chuck Norris, all those people are big time. They have star power. And I say Christopher Lambert is as good as John Saxon. Wow. <laughs> Listen, it's John fucking Saxon. I mean, he's not a huge name either. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my problem is is the audience they're aiming for here has no idea who Christopher Lambert is anyway, so why go for any sort of name grab and get somebody who can actually perform well in that role? Right. Forget star power. You can't afford to pay for stars. Why not get people that can fight? The horror of all of this is Robin Shaw is the only one that can fight. When we move on to see the other people, it's just going to be rapid cutting to try and cover their ass. Okay, you can say that, but Lyndon Ashby did 100% his own stunts. 100%. He was barely in the film. That's amazing. And... Bridget Wilson, or as she's now known, Bridget Wilson Sampras, Pete Sampras's wife, or as I know her, Miss Vaughn, want to touch the hiney, <laughs> did most of her own stunts. 
Again, they're barely fighting here. I would expect them to be doing what they're doing because what they're doing is not impressive. Okay, but you're like, they're going to do rapid cutting. Who the hell are you talking about? Those are the three main characters is Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, and Sonya Blade. Right, and two of them can't fight. But you, they don't fight, you just said. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like an argument I've been in with my friend for years who enjoys Jackie Chan movies because his excuse always is that Jackie Chan does all of his own stunts. And I'm like, yes, but he also does his own acting, and that's the problem. <laughs> hey, he was great in The Next Karate Kid. G-R-E-A-T, great. And if you haven't seen The Foreigner, he's pretty good in it. Back to this film... Why do we have Sonya Blade? She's billed more like a SWAT team person. Was this her character? Yeah. She had guns? Well, she never used them, at least unless it was a fatality I could never do. She was kicking and punching with the rest of them. Okay. that She comes barging into this nightclub with a shotgun. This poor new partner, Jax, is like, I'll be your partner. She's like, no, my partner is dead and I've got to avenge his death. I trust one person, me. <laughs> Jax, you on your own. Yeah. All right, I'll just stand here with a shotgun with your back, but whatever. Okay, thanks for nothing. And she does. She leaves him behind. Yeah, well, Jax is a character from later games, hence later movies. This is pretty much 100% pulling from the first game, which is, I think, a smart choice, because as you add more characters, things get more complex. Preview of next week's review. Yep. But Jax will come back into it later, and... This is where I feel Bridget Sampras is not doing a great job, is when she is supposed to be this tough SWAT team member. She does not have the physicality, and she doesn't move like I've seen trained SWAT people do. She doesn't hold the gun right. She doesn't look tough. There's nothing about her in these scenes that make me think she's going to work. And in fact... It wasn't supposed to be her. They had somebody else cast. Okay. They were on set working. Yep. Broke their wrist in training. Okay. And that's how Cameron Diaz got out of this. Cameron Diaz? <laughs> what? I thought you were going to tell me an action star. What is wrong? Cynthia Rothrock. Why can't they not call people that know how to do this? They really liked her in the mask. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a New Line movie. So again, weird that they're trying to insert people that aren't actors in the way that they'll be recognized, and yet they don't have the background to be martial artists. So you have nothing. <laughs> what Anderson said is he wanted to bring the best actors to the role. The martial arts could figure themselves out with stuntmen if need be, and with cutting and whatnot, but he wanted the actors who... And I'm going to insert my own words, on their budget, could give a good performance. And so for that, you get Robin Shaw, and they almost got my favorite Ernie Reyes Jr. for that part. You know I like me some Ernie Reyes, but Robin Shaw's good enough, and you get Bridget Wilson fresh off of Billy Madison. She was actually in talks for this role. Filming would have conflicted with Billy Madison when Cameron Diaz broke her wrist. She was able to get in there and she had to train twice as hard while filming because she didn't have the prep. And you get Lyndon Ashby, who I guess the young kids now know him from Teen Wolf. The middle-aged people may remember him from Melrose Place or Days of Our Lives. And before this, he had just come off of Wyatt Earp. Yeah, he looks like a soap star, and that's kind of playing the type, that he is an actor in Hollywood who's always cast in martial arts movies, and nobody believes he can actually do it. That's kind of a funny conflict. I would actually enjoy this. I don't think this is a parody of anybody. This doesn't feel like they're mocking Seagal or Bruce or anything. No, 
in the game, they were trying to mock him, not in this movie, but in the game, some of the moves, like just the Hollywood egotism and the sunglasses and things, they were just making fun of what they saw as the Jean-Claude persona. Oh, wait. So this character is actually written into the video game as a Hollywood wannabe. Yeah, I mean, he's actually the, a hot star, but he has to prove himself, just like here. Wow, I just didn't know everything had been done by the video game for this movie. Yeah, everything. Oh, okay. So the screenwriter didn't have to do anything. <laughs> well, he watched Enter the Dragon and gave them a frame, but yeah, it was mostly just taking the stuff from the game and making it live action. It's a really faithful adaptation in that regard. Huh. Except for the alliances. <laughs> Yeah, there are a few things as far as, like, good, bad, or indifferent characters that they kind of stand out to me for being such a fan of the original game on Super Nintendo. Scorpion and Sub-Zero being the two. Those guys were mortal enemies in the game. I mean, if you read their backstory in the pamphlet, they hated each other. One killed another one's brother or whatnot, and they were totally against it. In the movie here, they're team-up pals. Actually, it says that they're mortal enemies. There's a dropped line that they are mortal enemies who are forced to do his bidding because he's they're under his magics. Yeah, it just doesn't play off that way. It's not a big deal either way because at the end of the day, they're just ninjas in different colored costumes. And like I said, you had to kick everybody's ass on your way up. So if you're playing as Johnny Cage, you have to kick Liu Kang's ass and Sonya Blade's ass. But in a movie, you want good guys and bad guys. And I think by having this witty, sardonic action guy in Johnny Cage, this tough, ballsy woman with... Sonya Blade, and this chosen one who doesn't believe in his destiny, Liu Kang. You know what you've got here? Han, Luke, and Leia. And I think these three pull off a level of that camaraderie. I like seeing the three of them and the chemistry between them. Okay, you have pulled out Star Wars references plenty throughout now playing. There ain't no Star Wars here. I do not see that in here at all. Absolutely. Raiden is Obi-Wan. They're going to think Raiden is dead. Oh, come on. That's no. This is just cliched martial arts stuff that Lucas also borrowed from. It has no. It is. It's more Enter the Dragon. And they also have a token black guy in Enter the Dragon. Uh, Who is Art Lean? I don't remember him, but he shows up on the dock waiting for this boat to take him to the island, too. The friend I went to see this movie with was more into the game than I was. So I leaned over. I'm like, is there really a character named Art Lean? And my friend whispered back, no, why don't we just call him Dead Meat? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was dead on. Okay, yeah. And that's how they treat Black Belt Jones in Enter the Dragon. Does not live to see the end of the picture. But one of the things about... Art is there was a novelization. And I What? <laughs> for this movie? And the next one. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mortal Kombat players are readers too. That's wow. I can't think of a way to make this more uninteresting than to try to read about it in a book. Well, art had more scenes that were probably in the script and then cut. It would really help the impact of art's later death. They did film a funeral scene for art that they cut out of the film. Yeah, okay. If you need to. (laughs) Could you imagine a funeral scene for art? But as soon as art shows up, it just screams. If you are at all savvy with movies, you know where this character is heading. He's going to be the one who's going to incite our characters to fight their best. 
Right. They get on this boat, and Sonia was tricked into this. She was trying to get Kano. She was never trying to prove herself at a tournament, but Kano got on the boat too, and so she runs on with gun drawn, and that's where Shang Tsung is going to tell everyone, you're coming to my island. And this is a very important Mortal Kombat, because it's happened nine times before. If the tenth one gets won by him, then Earth becomes his domain. Yeah, that's again from the game that they're fighting for the fate of Earth and there have been many Mortal Kombats before. I'll just tell you right now, there's a live action TV series that they did for a season on TNT that takes place 500 years before this one. And it's with Liu Kang's ancestors. And it's really shitty. <laughs> I remember that at the same time where every movie was like The Crow and Highlander and all those movies had syndicated versions. Yeah. This one was TNT, not syndication, but about the same feel. Mm. It was on after, like, WWE Raw, and so a lot of WWE people guest starred on it to kind of get that synergy. It was just... It got good ratings. It was too expensive. Speaking of WWE, nothing says more than when we get this blue guy and yellow ninja going at each other with their magic powers. One's freezing things, Sub-Zero, and one, if he's called Scorpion, is that a tail coming out? It was supposed to be in the game like a rope. His big thing was Mortal Kombat could talk too, which was a little bit more than just Hausen and Kata. Scorpion would shoot out this rope and say, get over here and pull you in and pummel you. Yeah, I remember that. But here it's a creature that looks to me more like a snake or nothing like a scorpion. So that's a conceit for the movie. In the game, it already says rope. I thought it was, I always thought of it as a chain with a hook spear end that would grab into somebody's body and then pull them back. But yeah, the, the little shop of horrors type of monster <laughs> mouth was never a part of the game. And this is where you get your first glimpse of what's going to be some truly cheesy special effects. Now, these are not photo real, and I knew that at the time. And they're not even feeling much in the same plane as the human actors. These are the very early days of CGI. This is a very low budget but I felt back then that because this was a video game movie, I could kind of go with a merging of video game look and real world look. And now what I say is they have a charm, you know, kind of like a little kid's drawing. It's not a Picasso, but you're still going to put it up on your fridge. I can go with that to a certain degree. You know, some of the effects with the ice cubes and the things coming out of Scorpion's palm and stuff like that. I'm going to give it a pass. That's fine. The CGI that gets me is when we start getting into full CGI characters, like when we first meet Reptile, this way out of place cartoon thing on the island. That's where the CGI really, really shows how poor it is. Yeah, I, a couple things on this. One, we are two years beyond Jurassic Park. The technology could be better with more money. It is bad because they don't have enough money for this. So, yes, you have to appreciate the fact that the effects stink. And that can work. I mean, I do think what you're talking about, Arnie, is there are a bunch of people that still love Ray Harryhausen, who made Chop Saki and Sinbad and Hercules movies just like this with stop motion that you can tell every time how they're doing it. And yet, for some people, it works. What I will say is it will neither be an asset nor a detriment. I'm going to judge this movie based more on the performances and the action choreography. What about just the level of fun? You <laughs> when everything, just the vibe. There's something to be said about a tone and mood of a movie. And this is not intending to be taken too seriously. 
No, and a lot of this is going to come down to where you fall on that song. If you hear that song and you get a little bit excited, then you can go for this movie's ride. You know, it's got the exact same feel. It's the right tone to set for this entire movie. That song, is it in the game? I feel like there was propulsive music in the game, but maybe not this techno song version of the Mortal Kombat theme. No, the guy shouted, but the music was not that. Right. I feel like the real disconnect is this movie is PG-13. The action violence that we're getting is not anything resembling the blood and gore we were complimenting from the game. This is a very toned down attack. When we see Sub-Zero here, yeah, he's freezing guns and freezing people and they break like ice cubes on the floor, but you will not ever see a drop of blood, I don't think. One time, Shang Tsung has a blood run out of his mouth once, and otherwise, it's not here. No, they did have to play it down. It was part of New Line's requirement to get a PG-13 rating so that they could play to the audience who plays the games. That was their thinking. If you go rated R, the majority of people, I mean, keep in mind, I was playing a seven-year-old in this game, and I was 19 playing it, but the majority are going to be in that range, you know, 10 to 18, middle school and high school, so you don't want to shut them out and make them not buy tickets. Oh yeah, it would have been box office suicide to make it R, but to be true to the game... You, that's what you have to do. And so here you have a very neutered vision. I'm surprised you have no problem with that, Arnie. I think Justin nailed it when he mentioned the music. Music can carry a movie. We mentioned Star Wars already. John Williams' music buoys that film to heights that Lucas could never have achieved on his own. And here we have this techno with stabbing westward and KMFDM and yes, Tracy Lord's. Yeah, I recognized her song (laughs) when it was coming on. What's really funny is I listened to the commentary, the Tracy Lord song is playing, and the producer goes, and here's Juke Joint Jezebel. I'm like, no, it isn't. No, no, (laughs) it isn't. There was one song on here I knew. I mean, I did listen to some techno and electronic music in the 90s, and Orbitals, Halcyon, and on and on is a classic. They save it for the end. It's sort of the heroic lullaby theme that comes at the end with all the blue flags. But for the most part, this feels like cut and paste techno that gets slathered on in a heavy coat it's kind of like drowning your badly made steak in ketchup they're just trying to cover up what they can't pull off on screen come on juke joint jezebel is also a bona fide classic i don't even remember hearing that here it's when sonya blade fights kano Okay, well, let's get to some fighting. It takes a while. They want to set up everybody, and, you know, everyone's kind of posing and prancing, and the three characters we're supposed to like, they sneak off to, you know, this happened in Enter the Dragon. They're trying to find out what's really going on in this island, and they just find out that Kano eats too much, and that he's (laughs) hanging out with the winner of the previous Mortal Kombat's nice attempt, guys. I mean, it's cute, but Goro, I mean, he's not... (laughs) imposing he's imposing for his size when i see him move first of all kudos for a practical effect and not trying to cgi him like reptile it was a nice attempt i agree the cgi is so noticeable i think there is something better 
or I have more affection for to see what looks like a puppeteer on the shoulders of an actual fighter. And there are two sets of hands and one's kind of doing the monster face. All animatronic. Those yeah. arms and everything. There's a guy under it who <laughs> he couldn't breathe when in the suit. So they're like, shoot, you have one minute before he suffocates. And... They were controlling it, and the actor underneath was like, I'm passing out, and I wake up, and the effects guys are like, look, the pupils dilated. (laughs) But no, to me, he had a very 1990 Mutant Ninja Turtles look to him, the way he moved, the way his mouth was. Krang, Kang, what was the thing with the brain in the stomach? Yeah, that was Krang, but I'm thinking specifically the turtles from Henson Workshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe even a little bit of the uh, the Goombas look from Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> God forbid. No, he's <laughs> better than that, Justin. Come on, he's got four arms and a mouth. Yeah, and as, as corny as he is, and as limited in movement as the practical effect is, it really doesn't bother me that much, because even in the game, he's not that mobile. He basically, if you get close enough to him, he'll grab you with four arms, and then he'll drop kick you. It's not like he's a really mobile, flippy, shooting stuff at you type of fighter. He's really just a big brute. And Arnie, we only played against one another. I never saw this guy. This is a character, if you actually go level by level, you're going to encounter. I think we played it as him in one of the newer versions when we were, there's like 32 characters. And mm, yeah, I remember that. You played as half and I played as half. I played as Goro one of the first times just because he's big. He's imposing. You think he could kick some ass. I remember Katana, but here she barely makes any impression. I, she is being kept away from our trio of heroes, trying to lead them out of Goro's palace. And because Shang has put Reptile as her bodyguard or stalker, he keeps the trio from meeting her and finding out what she's all about. She's teased as a mystery for much of this movie, but spoiler alert, basically she's just the love entry. It's intended to not necessarily be a love interest. Anderson cut all the scenes of, like, them kissing and things and the love stuff. But it does still play that way because it was that way in the script. And it's not hard to tell she's going to be a good guy when Shang Tsung is like, keep her away from those three. And obviously you'd only want to do that. They call her princess, but never quite know what her lineage is going to bring of use. Yeah, and Reptile spits in Liu Kang's face. I thought, wasn't there a blind character, or am I thinking of Street Fighter? I thought maybe that he'd have to play with a bandana over his face. Yeah, in one of the ones we played, there was Kenshi, who played with a blindfold on, but he didn't show up until 2002. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the fighting, since that's the whole reason this movie exists. We can set up in the island, in the fate of the earth, that's all just pretext. Yeah, I'll say the the opening, once they get on the boat... I'm along for the ride. When they're on the land and they're at the Shaolin Temple and they're doing the SWAT team stuff and even the Steven Spielberg impersonator. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) What does Anderson look like? I don't even know if I could recognize him. I figured that was the director doing his own cameo. Anderson's way too young. According to IMDb trivia, they actually had Spielberg to do that and then time conflict, but I don't buy it. Uh, no. Spielberg (laughs) did not make time to do a cameo in Mortal Kombat in the movie. Yeah, if he didn't produce, he wasn't going to show up. But once they get on the boat, I'm having fun, but I am starting to itch for a real fight. Sub-Zero 
turning a no one to ice doesn't really do much for me. Sonya, Cage, and Liu Kang fought six ninjas when they were sneaking out. Yeah, you know whenever they have these extras come in in black that, like, this is just an attempt to show the fighting prowess or lack thereof of the people we're to care about, but there are no stakes. There are no stakes in this movie for half of it, and then once we start getting into the actual tournament and Mortal Kombat begins... Then we can at last see who's going to live, who's going to die. Exactly. And that's the question up to now is how is this movie going to deal with a video game conceit of killing somebody? Are they going to stay dead if they lose in the first round? I'm happy to say, yeah, they treat it in such a way where there's no reset button. There's no magic to bring a character back later on for a higher level fight. Well, kind of. They established that Shang Tsung eats their soul. Like once they go down, he's like, fatality, yum. And he'll like go over there and suck the soul out of the body. And that's going to make him stronger. They're obviously building for him to be the final fight. And that all of these previous fighters just help build up his fighting prowess. I love his use of the Mortal Kombat terms. I mean, it has begun. Excellent. Test your might. Fatality. Flawless victory. These are all the terms the game says, and they put them in here in a way that's, again, really fun, and yet it doesn't feel out of place. And the first fight, though, again... How come every African-American in this movie has to be the dead meat character? Because this nameless guy with dreads is not a character from the game either that Liu Kang gets to fight. Just so I understand, there's the Outland world and there's the Earth world. Are they only going to fight each other or will Earthlings eventually have to fight one another? This random black guy just looks like somebody that came from Earth. Yeah, that's one thing this movie's missing is some sort of visual representation of the brackets of this <laughs> tournament. Mm-hmm. I, I admit, it is confusing. Goro just sits around waiting until he decides his, or he's called in to fight. I don't quite know how this goes, and I'm not quite sure why some fights take place on a beach with a judge sitting there in a pit, and others take place in some weird rainforest. Yeah, it's really weird. Lou even fights Katana, and she kind of throws it, and nobody dies. Like, I don't know if that was just practice or what, but she ends up just giving him a pep talk and kind of letting him pin her. She's giving him tips and fortune cookie stuff. Instead of just saying, hey, when you fight Sub-Zero, throw water at him, she says, in your next fight, use the mineral that gives life. (laughs) And I'm like, semen? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I didn't think that. But yeah, I didn't have much use. The only one that can dispense this kind of stuff is Christopher Lambert. And even him, I'm not loving. But the first real fight we get is Sonya Blade versus Kano. And Kano is earthling even though he's got a robotic eye that's kind of cool and glowy and he's australian do we consider them from our planet yes they (laughs) they are but yeah he's been modified by the evil he's been hanging out he's made a partnership with the evil spirits and probably of all of the personalities he is the most fun in his broadly drawn way. I feel like at least there's something at stake for Sonya to get him back. He's cackling that he has the knife he used to slit her partner's throat, and she's going to break his neck in retaliation. And what a way to go. Those thighs around... Yeah, if I gotta die, let me die that way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just slow and... Just let it linger for... Okay, we're off, we're <laughs> off track here. But yeah, I think that's a decent fight. It's pretty quick, 
But I think that both come across competent. I couldn't tell when it was a stunt double to a point that it pulled me out of it. I just thought it was a decent fight. Although, when she's doing the handstand with her legs around his neck, I kind of feel like the actor playing Kano is holding her up while she does a handstand. So you agree with me. She is not selling the idea that she's competent in this fight. We do not believe that anyone in this competition can win other than Liu Kang. There's no other person that could even though johnny i think he's supposed to be the fun one like he has the fight in which he leaves his autographed photo his hollywood headshot if you will by the flaming person he defeats yeah because that's the next fight is johnny cage versus scorpion and i do wonder where these trees came from I think this might be trying to be like the mirror room in Enter the Dragon. I don't know how Johnny Cage was just wandering around in these perfectly aligned trees, but Scorpion's there. We're going to get a decent fight between the two. I mean, decent if you like Jim Cotta. I mean, this is like some dumb shit when he's like later on the high bar, like spinning around and he's got no skill. When he was doing the uneven parallel bars, I did wonder exactly what was going. And I think they modified. I've never heard Scorpion say, get down here. But yeah, that was a new one. I didn't know that Scorpion was Ghost Rider. Well, that actually is one of the added in scenes when they went back. Initially, Johnny Cage did that shadow kick, which is his special move, and it was going to defeat Scorpion. He wasn't going to jump in a portal and disappear down into some Ah. skeleton area, but they decided to go back and up the fight, and they decide to do, for some weird reason, the Hitchcockian push and pull of Johnny as he's just sitting in the bones. I'm like, that's just a weird time to try to change our depth of field there. (laughs) Don't you dare challenge Paul W.S. Anderson's choices. But I like this with the... It's just, hey, look, here's a shield. Hey, look, here's a spear. And then taking off the mask, I like that Scorpion's got the skull. And that move, though, I'm like, was Scorpion a fan of Johnny Cage? Did he have the autograph on him? Yeah, where did the headshot come from? I had to look this up. I can't do any of these special moves. In Mortal Kombat 2, in addition to fatalities, they had friendships. So when it's like, finish him, you could decide to make a friend instead of killing. And Johnny Cage's friendship was giving an autographed photo. So that was a callback to that. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know it was from the game. It just, to me, it felt like what someone that had been accused of being all Hollywood with no real fighting skills to back it up would do to be like, oh yeah, am I just the Hollywood guy? It works in that way. But I'm not believing in any of these other fighters. I'm only believing in Liu Kang. And we've just got to see him again and again with the tiny minions, the sub-zeros, if you will. These aren't exciting fights. Sub-zero's kind of cool because with the ice... He seems like he can't be beat if Raiden hadn't snuck in there with a pail of water. I mean, Raiden's kind of cheating. He accuses Shang Tsung of cheating, but Raiden is not playing by the rules. Sure, but the immortals have magic and special powers, while the mortals are just basically kind of what Stuart's judging this movie on, kung fu fighters. Right. You know, so it's kind of kung fu fighters against immortal magic beings. So, yeah, I guess it's cheating or is it leveling the playing field? 
But the, the way this movie is treating Scorpion and Sub-Zero kind of hurts me a little bit, because those are my two favorite guys from the game, and... They look badass. I mean, they're ninjas. Right, and they're so disposable early on in this movie, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, but their faces are covered, and I gotta say, for audiences that may not know the game, I don't know how many of them are, are in the audience, but you want to be able to see reaction shots, you want to be able to judge people's face. To put something in front of their mouth just makes them look like a generic ninja that's going to go down. If they didn't have these powers... You wouldn't even notice them at all. Except when you look at certain things like G.I. Joe, you've got snake eyes and you never see his face, but he's a badass because you never see his face. Well, I'd never see G.I. Joe, so I can't help you there. He was just going to something without Star Wars again. I'm just saying that you could make them really silent badasses and things, but here... They're minions. You've got to work your way up the minion tree. And Sub-Zero, I wish Liu Kang won the fight instead of just throwing this ice sphere while Sub-Zero just stands there. This power is not very good if it takes like 40 seconds to conjure. Because if I tried to do that in the game and I'm like, oh, hold on, I'm, I'm moving my controller. I need like 60 seconds here. Just don't punch me during it. I'm down, right? You're just going to kick my ass. I, if these are... To introduce non-players to who they might want to play when they go to the arcade, I would not be playing Scorpion or Sub-Zero. I might be playing Scorpion, but not Sub-Zero. Yeah, I guess I'm the odd man out, but those are my two go-to guys. And But would you be from this movie, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. No, not based on what's happening in this movie, and I guess that's what hurts me a little bit as, as a minor fan of this franchise. Right. Nor would I be playing Art Lean, which I guess you can't, but he's the next one up against Goro, and yeah, it's just here to show how proud Goro is that he can beat ass. Well, I counted. There's a montage, because they say, we've let these humans win enough. And so Shang Tsung sets Goro free, and we get a montage of people falling. 20 people! They show 20 people falling before Goro gets to Art. <laughs> right. They should probably kill one of the three to make us really care. If they were interested in making us care, this would be the time to take one of them out. By the fact that they're going with Art Lean, it tells us they're never going to hurt any of the three that we care about. No, Han, Luke, and Leia. They got to stay around for the sequel. You know, you can keep saying that if you want. <laughs> Han, Luke, and Leia, they got to overcome their fears in order to... I don't know, get better, but not that it matters because only one's going to be fighting at the end. <laughs> but they're each told by Raiden that Johnny rushes in too quick. What does he do? He says, okay, and then rushes in to fight Goro. I'm like, all right, he learned nothing. And Sonia, she needs to ask for help. And so they turn her into a traditional damsel in distress and lock her in a castle. And Liu Kang, you fear your destiny. I don't know what that even means. It means he has to accept he is the chosen one. He has to use the force. I believe he already accepted that by coming back and accepting this challenge. And why would you be afraid of being the one that's going to win? No, he's here for vengeance. Raiden chastised him. If you only go for revenge, you will not win. He has to accept his role as the chosen one fighting for Earthrealm. I don't know why the hell it's called a realm, by the way. Earthrealm and Outworld just kind of... But he has to accept he's not fighting to avenge his brother. He's fighting to defend all of Earth. And please tell me you're not buying into any of this hook'em here. This is even weaker than Last Dragon shit right here. I mean, this is not going to sell to either the youngest members of the audience. No one will be buying that there is a moral or a thing to learn the way that they would from Karate Kid or Enter the Dragon. Very, very little. But Johnny Cage does learn to... Instead of trying to use his fist to use some tactics, 
That's why he challenges Goro. And and immediately hits him in the nuts. <laughs> that is Johnny Cage's <laughs> special move. It is. He does the splits just like Jean-Claude, but once he's down, he'll punch you in the balls. So he does it here, and also taking off the sunglasses is like his entering thing, so that's kind of fun. But yeah, he has to run up, because Goro can't be beaten hand-to-hand. I wish I could do half this shit in the game, you know? When Liu Kang's fighting with a bow staff, or when Johnny Cage is just running to a cliff to kick Goro off of it, that would make the game so much easier. Or lamer. I mean, again, this is just a lame way to defeat this guy they've been building towards. They know they can't do a credible fight, is the bottom line. We did see him lift up Art with his four hands, and that was kind of fun, but to actually do boxing moves and wrestling moves that the puppeteers cannot do and so you have to do something stupid like kick him off a mountain because there's no way that they can animate this puppet to the point that you believe that he could win a fight yeah and kind of like what i was saying earlier you couldn't do much with him in the game either so it's not too far out of character No, in the game, he was stop-motion animation. They had a clay puppet that they were moving around. Here, I almost wish they'd gone Harryhausen with him just to get a little bit more motion out of him. But yeah, he's taken out and he'd been the victor for so long that it shows that the tide is turning and it gives Johnny Cage his hero moment. Everybody gets a hero moment. Sonya's is early on when she takes out Kano. This is Johnny's when he takes out Goro. Lyndon Ashby is my favorite actor in this movie. Mm. His characterization, his wry lines, his humor, everything about him is mediocre. I think he really is the Harrison Ford of this trio. Now imagine I'm grading on a curve here. (laughs) Wow, you really are. I just can't believe that you are going to give this Star Wars glow. I would make the Johnny Cage of Mortal Kombat story prequel. Mm -mm. (laughs) I'm really liking Lyndon Ashby so much. I walked out of there wanting to be Johnny Cage, but Liu Kang is our hero. He's our Luke Skywalker. He doesn't act as well. He's not as fun, but he does get a fight with Reptile that's pretty awesome once Reptile becomes human. Yeah, the deal was cut that the final fight is going to be in the Outlands, and that means Raiden can't come, so these two have to go off on their own, and the point is, is that it was a world like Earth that was depleted because they lost 10 rounds of Mortal Kombat, so this is what we will become. And the scene with Reptile, the fight against the CGI creature was always there, but when... Liu Kang threw him in that body. He was just going to be trapped there, and that was the end of the fight. The second fight, which is the best fight in the entire movie against Human Reptile, was the other pickup shot to increase the amount of fighting here, and I'm so glad they did. And the producer of this I mentioned, Lawrence Kazanoff, he did the commentary for this that's only available on the Laserdisc. And in it, he does not like to give credit. He doesn't mention Paul Anderson's name once. Other than we got this Brit who's, this is his first film. And he talks about the stunts and says they got the world's best stunt coordinator, Pat Johnson. Because when I want the Kung Fu, I always think of going to Pat Johnson. (laughs) He's the greatest. He's the best in the world. (laughs) I don't want to be racially insensitive, but I mean, martial arts that no one from Asia? (laughs) this guy pat johnson he was a stuntman on enter the dragon he was stunt coordinator for 
Last Ninja, Karate Kid Part 2 and 3, and that first and second Ninja Turtles, and, and the third one, so... <laughs> less, less points for the third one. Yeah, maybe he meant to say most available in Hollywood at the time, is what he was going for. But these two fights, the second half of the Scorpion fight and this fight against Human Reptile, Robin Shao was also a stunt choreographer, and because these were pickup shots, he choreographed these fights, and I think they have a they pack a bigger wallop than anything Pat Johnson did. So, are you telling me that human version of Reptile wasn't meant to be in this movie at first? No, not at all. That's crazy to me, because the big draw of the game, and you'll even see it going forward through the years, is the Sub-Zero, Scorpion, Reptile, Color Change crew. Like, that's what is drawing people in, at least visually, to this franchise. And to not have the green version of those two ninjas in flesh... Seems like a crazy misstep and a misunderstanding of the property. However, they were really focusing on Mortal Kombat 1, where Reptile shows up, but you can't play as him. Right, but you know what he looks like, and a lot of people freaked out the first time you saw, oh my god, there's a green version of Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Yeah, I remember that. I remember people whispering, oh my god, I saw a green ninja. But yeah, he wasn't going to be in here at all because of budget cuts. They had to cut some action scenes. He was what they cut because he wasn't a core character from the first game but this fight here it is robin shaw's finest moment he's doing some wire foo here yeah this is actually the first hollywood film to use wire work the matrix would popularize it but robin shaw brought it after doing it in some hong kong films okay i wouldn't want to oversell that this is anything in comparison to the matrix or to those Hong Kong films. Yeah, in its infancy, much like the CGI, you get a little taste of where the genre is going to head in better later films. And that fight with Reptile is the one to Tracy Lord's control, which I'm sitting there like, I know that song! I've played it on the radio all the time! You mentioned Tracy Lord's, but I was thinking of Lita Ford when we cut back to Sonya, and she's got, like, the big tease hair. <laughs> I went to a dungeon last Saturday night. I didn't get laid. I got in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> and it ain't no big thing. <laughs> Who took the time before chaining her up to give her a makeover? That's just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I gotta think it's some of those ninjas, or maybe there's a harem. I mean, we'll talk about with Under the Dragon, there are women that are just hanging around for the fighters to have, so maybe they brought them in, and she looks good with that teased hair, though. I, I like that look on her. I mean, even Johnny Cage is gonna be like, nice dress. I mean, all the monks are there, you know, they haven't seen this in quite some time. Three of the monks are our heroes, and again, I always feel like Katana is barely in this movie, but she counts. Liu Kang is also here, and we have Johnny. But again, Liu Kang is the only one that matters. I again don't understand the rules of this fight, because Shang Tsung, he made the deal with Johnny Cage. You can fight Goro next, but I get to choose the next fight and at the location of my choosing. That's why they've left the island and gone to Outland. And that's why he kidnapped Sonya Blade, is he's challenging Sonya to a fight, knowing he can beat Sonya easily. And she's like, no, I'm not going to fight you. That's her learning she needed help. And he doesn't kill her. 
Oh, that's her learning she needed help. I didn't see that through line. I was wondering why the whole movie, he was obsessed with getting with her. I assumed it was for horniness, but okay. It was so that she would lose the fight or forfeit the fight, and thus Mortal Kombat would end, and they would claim the Earth. And instead, now he's got to fight a guy that everyone knows can beat him. But then he challenges Johnny Cage instead. When Sonya says, no, I won't fight you, he's like, all right, Johnny Cage, I challenge you. And he's like... No. So, I mean, it's like Earth lost twice because then Liu Kang says, I challenge you, Shang Sun, and you either yield and you lose the entire tournament or fight me. I'm like, then why didn't Johnny Cage or Sonya have to forfeit the whole tournament for all of Earth realm? I don't get the rules here. The rules are they can't fight. And so we have to go to with the guy that actually has moves. <laughs> and this is where we get the main Mortal Kombat theme. The Mortal Kombat! Yeah. For the third time. <laughs> yes. I didn't feel like this movie was lacking in music. But here we've got two solid martial artists doing the moves. It's fast. It's fun. It's real. It's okay. I mean... <laughs> Again, you're really, maybe in the moment you get caught up in the adrenaline. Again, I, I wonder if it's not the rave culture, propulsiveness of the beats. I don't feel like this choreography is blowing anyone's mind. And they have to extend this fight. At some point, he's like, oh, let me, let my souls do it. So these guys pop out of manholes to make this go another minute because it got so boring. That was a weird conceit that the movie decided to throw in there. I, I don't remember anything like that in the game where you had to fight more than one person at a time for one and two people popping up out of manholes. I couldn't remember if Shang Tsung had like a shadow version that he could call upon or something, but... That's Double Dragon. <laughs> yeah, that was just a little bit odd, but it keeps upping the stakes and the escalation of the fight and finally Liu Kang says I'm not afraid of my destiny I am the chosen one yeah he pulls out that lame I am your brother and you killed me Chan stuff that um, I mean we know it's not Chan so I mean this is easy to kick this guy he ought to be kicked into a pit full of spikes just for being that melodramatic <laughs> And that releases Chan, and everyone gets to be free, and they have that cool Orbital song. And the movie's over. Yeah, I, I do love that Orbital song. It's techno, but it also is a bit more melodic and a bit more sedate, good as a song for the denouement, where they return back to the Shaolin temples. I don't know why Sonya and Johnny went to the Shaolin temples and not, you know, America, but they're along, and Raiden shows up. Uh, you guys did great. And someone else shows up. <laughs> uh, someone from Mighty Morphin, maybe? Uh, who's the emperor? <laughs> What's this? Bow to me! That is completely new and out of left field. Okay. That is supposed to be a character we're going to see next time. Oh, good. Shao Kahn, who was the emperor above Shang Tsung. And this was the final added scene. This movie would actually have ended with that song and Raiden saying, you guys did great. Fade to credits. But as one of the last pickups, they got the four to strike a stance. Christopher Lambert is a, I don't think so. And some CGI emperor effect. And I was on the edge of my fucking seat because <laughs> I know these guys are good fighters, but how do you fight King Kong? Oh, I walked out of that theater, I couldn't wait for the sequel, because I needed to know how that ended. 
But I think I know how this is going to end. <laughs> With more blood than in this movie. Justin Stewart, do you recommend Mortal Kombat? Play the techno, Justin. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun picking on Yarny and picking on this movie, but I have to come to grasp with the fact that I think deep down I am a Mortal Kombat fan. You know, I was looking over the history of the games and thinking, oh yeah, I played a hell of a lot of this on Super Nintendo. I played a lot of the second version. I might have let it go for a little bit, but when it came back around and they started introducing more of the modern games with the the X-ray fights and then they mixed it with DC and stuff, Mortal Kombat's just kind of been part of my life for the last 20-some years. So I guess, yeah, I'm a fan of this property. So when I'm watching this movie, I have to try to put myself back into 1995 and being excited about the fact that they're taking this cool looking video game and making a movie out of it. How bad can they screw it up? And I'll admit, I got hyped for this movie, not Arnie level hyped. I'm not buying (laughs) three versions of the soundtrack or anything like that. But I did have the soundtrack, the one with the techno song, and that played quite a bit in my 92 Honda Civic. So I'm going to give this movie a few props where I can. They... They took the iconography and the character looks from the game and translated it into real life pretty well. You know, if nothing else, the one iconic thing from this entire franchise is that dragon logo. And they used it well here. They didn't change it up to make it more movie realistic or anything. They took it directly from the game and it's recognizable whenever it's on screen. So I'm going to give them all that. Color palette in this movie is good. I felt like the costuming for some of my favorite characters was fine. It didn't look too goofy. But at the end of the day, it's a boring movie with not that great of special effects. So unless you're the type of person who was around in 95 and in the culture of playing games like this and were ready for a movie like this, I don't know that there's anything for a modern audience to go back and see where, even if they are into the more new versions of Mortal Kombat, like see where this came from. 20 some years ago so for me it's a mild not recommend it's not the worst thing we've seen but it's also not anything that i'm going to be watching again anytime soon not a flawless victory but not a fatality Stuart, yeah this one was rough i mean i don't like the wwf and that's what this felt like it felt like wrestlemania at the electric daisy carnival and i don't want to go to either i don't want to go to a rave anymore i don't want to go to the wwf I'm too old for this film. If you played the game, if you had some love for the property, you'll have some sense of nostalgia for it. But if you don't know this, I can recognize they captured certain elements of the game. But even if you love the game, the fighting is bloodless. The CGI is ruinous. The music is relentless. And none of it is as fun as the game or as fun as Enter the Dragon. I can get in the mood to watch a brainless action movie when it hasn't been brainlessly put together. I am never in the mood to watch shit like this. Anderson is a crap director, and he did the game very badly on screen. The cast is uniformly flat. The action scenes have no life to them at all. And yeah, it's a strong not recommend. I'm giving this a solid recommend. Now, I'll admit, I put in this Blu-ray, and I was a little bit nervous, because I had championed this film... For a long time, I, I I looked at it as the light at the end of the tunnel when reviewing a whole lot of shitty movies. You're talking about this arcade series? Yes. This was going to be the hype point. I still think it's the best arcade movie we've reviewed. <laughs> oh. I mean, it's not a high bar, but it's, it's still number one. But I was nervous because 
I realized I watched this movie so much when it came out on DVD. It was one of the first DVDs I bought. I watched it all the time. I listened to the soundtrack. That was the 90s. The last time I watched this movie might have been this century, maybe, but I kind of think it was in the 90s. I remembered it really fondly, but I sat down and I'm like, am I going to be chagrined? Is this going to be Goonies all over again, where I was a huge fan when I was a kid, and then I looked at it as an adult and I just couldn't take all the screaming kids? So I was nervous. And when it first started off, and I saw Christopher Lambert in that wig, and I saw Brother Dead come home, I'm like, oh boy, I, I might be a little chagrined on this show. But you know what? They got on that boat, the techno started thumping, the fight started happening, and I had a smile on my face the whole rest of the movie. Yeah, the CGI is not going to astonish anyone except for how obvious it is. It's astonishingly bad. But go back. I keep calling this movie out. Anaconda. Mid-90s, Jennifer Lopez in the jungle with a CGI snake that is astonishingly fake. Yeah, I don't need to go back because I never saw it. I don't want to see shit like that. <laughs> and you know what? Sci-Fi Channel is still putting out movies every week with this level of special effect. So I am not going to damn it. I find it charming. If you're in the mood for a B-level martial arts film, you like the game and or you like techno, you're going to like this movie. And... I think both of you are being a little bit too harsh on it. I think you are just really looking at this through the prism of nostalgia because this is not capturing that game. I played that game a couple weeks ago and it is not this movie at all. I am surprised how faithful a translation this is from the one-on-one -on -one fights to the going up the brackets to the powers. I mean, at the end, we even get to see Liu Kang do his little, like, energy move. It's his finishing move. Yeah, no, I get that they do the tropes. I'm just saying the feeling that you get from watching that violent fighting game is not what I walk away from this silly Ray Harryhausen for the 90s movie. And I guess I don't necessarily want to feel like I'm on the same side of the fence as Stuart here and throwing rocks at Arnie. Because going into this movie, I had almost the same expectations as you, Arnie. Like, I remember digging this movie when it first came out and kind of left it in the back of my head as like, yeah, Mortal Kombat, that was fun. But after all is said and done, it doesn't hold up at all to what I hoped it could have been. Or maybe I built it up too much in my head over the years. But it's not the worst thing ever committed to film. No, no, there's so many more video game movies to cover. <laughs> I'll agree with you, Justin. It isn't as good as I remembered. Thank you. I thought I was coming into a four and a half star film. I got a three and a half star film. At least you can admit that, that a lot of what you thought was so awesome in the 90s was because you were young and it matched that enthusiasm. And there's no way that middle-aged men are going to find the same level of excitement in it now. But I still found a lot of excitement and had a lot of fun. Well, good. I'm not against it. Again, I like the game. I'd like to see that enthusiasm carry over in a film. I get one more shot at it next week. We know that Ocean's 8 is coming out. We are delaying that review so that we can finish out this series. And so I can go on vacation. I'll be honest. I'm in England right now. But 
Yes, we are going to be covering Annihilation next week and then Ocean's 8 after that. And this Friday, we're going to start a new leg of our silver level donation series, The Purge, as we build up to The First Purge, which, as we keep having to say, is the fourth Purge movie. (laughs) (laughs) Not confusing at all, but it gets real simple once you get to The Purge. It's kill or be killed. So that'll be out on Friday. And then next week, yeah. There's a couple big releases. We got Ocean's 8 and we got The Incredibles. I hope I can feel as good about Incredibles 2 as I feel about Mortal Kombat 1. But Stuart, I'm just going to set expectations. Don't think your Mortal Kombat 2 is going to pull something out of the fire. If you don't like 1, you're in for some hell. (laughs) I've never heard a positive thing said about Mortal Kombat 2, which makes me even more curious. Like, how wrong did it go for people that like this movie to think the next movie is so bad? I guess I'll find out. I'll say this. I forgot it existed. (laughs) But you've seen it before. Yes. All right. Well, let's do it. So thank you for listening. Till next time, game over. This ends now! Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. Finish him! We hope you've enjoyed the show. You've all made me very proud. I will be watching. So stay out of trouble. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Just another Starstruck fan, huh? And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other video game movies, including Resident Evil, The Wizard, Doom, Final Fantasy, Prince of Persia, Super Mario Brothers, The King of Kong, Tomb Raider, Street Fighter, Double Dragon, Rampage, and more. If you'd like a tour... I'd love to give it to you myself. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. Oh, now I have seen everything. Do you want to continue? Insert money now to keep playing, now playing. Do not underestimate the power of the human spirit. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. You're still running away from your destiny. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Every mortal is responsible for his own destiny. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. At last, one of them is understood. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our host to review. Find the details on our website. Come here! If you enjoy Now Playing, please head to iTunes and leave us a five-star listing. It's the best way to help spread the word about the podcast. I've got to tell you something. You guys did great. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book underrated movies we recommend 
get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. Get over here! You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. <laughs> yeah, now that's what I'm talking about. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Wise cultivate his favor. Those who challenge his power become his slaves. Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Arnie. Piece of cake. Piece of cake, huh? Well, it was easy for me. Oh, get over yourself. Now Playing credits read by Brock. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. I say the only ones we can trust from here on out are humans, nobody else, not even Ray. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. It wasn't enough you filled my head with that nonsense. How can you, a wise man, believe this? We all believe it, including your brother. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Venganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the express written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Now Playing is the Venganza Media production, copyright 2018, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Flawless victory. <laughs> oh well i know them for miss pac-man and spy hunter and rampage so they were also a, an incredible pinball machine company for a while there too that's actually how they got their start you know they're an old company chicago based that's why they called midway i interviewed there and i met a bunch of the people I guess I should stop talking about all the jobs I didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all led you to here, right? <laughs> <laughs> but Mortal Kombat, working your way up to the bosses who you couldn't play, Goro and... Not Shaolin, uh... Who's the bad guy? Shao the... Kahn. No, no, that's in the next one. Um, who's the yeah, one in this Shang one? Sh Sh oh, fuck. Shang? <laughs> Shang Tsung? And Shang Song <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Everybody, Shang Song. Everybody, Shang Song tonight. <laughs> God. <laughs> Outworld Princess Katana, played by Tal, played by Tal, played by Tal, played by Tal. Outworld Princess Katana. <laughs> <laughs> that was Alice so porky pig <laughs> don't give a shit about her she can't get a normal ass thing she is relegated to the nowhere bit <laughs> ebity 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 <laughs> that's what I get for drinking beer while we record yeah <laughs>
but Liu Kang arrives and challenges Sang Sung. <laughs> Sang Sung? Yeah, I know it is. Like a tongue twister, like sell seashells by the seashore, right? <laughs> I'm just thinking Samsung's. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare challenge Paul Thomas W.S. Anderson's choices. He's you just called him Paul Thomas W.S. Anderson. I, I can't remember which one's which. <laughs> Thomas Anderson, Thomas Anderson is right now crying on Fiona Apple's shoulder that you can't remember. Oh, no. They broke up years ago. <laughs> and if you don't, my stomach's doing something weird. Yeah, it's not agreeing with you is what it is. Your gut is telling you that this is No, I know. I want to vomit. <laughs>